Saul also went to his home in Giva, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. But some scoundrels said, How can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts, but Saul kept silent. 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 26 and 27. Welcome to Canaanbound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaanbound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. My name is Philip Wells, and I will be your host for this episode. This is episode 146. We begin our time together this week with a devotion from Beard133.com. Yield to authority. Yield to God's representatives. Why would anyone ever yield to having someone else in charge? It's not easy. Who wants someone else to be in control? God's people do. They even support it. That's what we see when God appointed his first king over Israel. A new king was on the scene. It was Saul, the first one. In terms, the kingship were laid out. Samuel wrote down the rights and duties of a king over Israel. Something like a constitutional monarchy was now set in place in Israel. It all happened so quickly. Many nations take years or centuries to arrange an established form of government and to get their backing. Those governments must struggle to define and defend their authority. But in Israel? Within the matter of a single gathering, it was all done. It seems like it took a single day. The king was identified inaugurated, and a constitution was written down. It must have been a whirlwind event which completely changed the face of the nation of Israel. Some responded well. It says that some valiant men followed Saul. They became his first royal court advisors and royal bodyguards, the first official administrative cabinet in Israel under their new king. Why? These men responded with faith. It says, God had touched their hearts. Others, however, despised the new king. They scoffed, How can this man save us? They gave him no support and no gifts. Those men who despised Saul may have thought someone else should be in charge. Maybe they they thought they should be in charge. Whatever the case, they missed out on the point. God was in charge of their lives. God has appointed Saul as their king. To reject their new king was to reject their God. Our sinful nature hates to let others be in charge. But when we recognize in faith that God has appointed kings, rulers, parents, pastors, teachers, and all authority over us, we respond with fruits of faith. God is good. Those men who supported Saul didn't need to know anything more than God has appointed Saul king. That was enough. Why would anyone ever yield to having someone else in charge? It starts by letting God be in charge. And in faith we recognize God is not just in charge. He is good. God, who is always good, establishes authority over us for our good. That truth takes faith to hold on to. May God forgive us for the times when we've disparaged authority appointed over us. May he cause us to see authority as established by him. 
May he touch our hearts and cause us and all his people to support and uphold that authority with honor and respect, whether it be king, governor, judge, parent, teacher, or pastor. We honor authority because we know that no matter how godless or how good authority is on earth, there is coming a day when God will reveal his appointed king, Jesus. Every knee will bow on that day, whether they like it or not. In a single day, that king will take his kingdom. The everlasting rule of his kingship will be established over all the earth, and he will rule forever in our hearts and lives with unending goodness, grace, peace. We will serve him in his kingdom forever because God touched our hearts and brought us to faith in him. Next up, we share a song by Branches Band from their CD a cappella. This is God Bless Our Native Land. God bless our native land, firm may she ever stand through storm and night. When the wild tempest share a message from Peace Devotions. This is Keep Your Receipt. There are certain retail stores, like some warehouse clubs, where after you've done your shopping, you go to the checkout, they give you a receipt. But you've got to remember to keep that receipt out because before they'll let you out of the door, out of the club, somebody will take that receipt and they'll examine it and they check that the number of items in your card is the same as the number of items on the receipt, just to show that you've paid for it, that you're not trying to steal anything. It's also handy to hold on to that receipt in case you need to return anything to the store. The receipt is proof that you've paid for that item in full. You and I have accumulated an enormous debt before God. That debt is caused by the guilt of all of our sins. And There's nothing that you and I can do to repay that debt with our good works or any of our sacrifices. But one of the reasons why we rejoice at Easter is because the resurrection proves that God the Father was satisfied with the payment that Jesus made on Good Friday. Romans chapter 4 says, He was handed over to death because of our trespasses, and was raised to life because of our justification. 
On Good Friday, when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, that wasn't just the blood of a man. Rather, it was the blood of the, of the God-man. It was the most unique blood in all of the universe. That divine blood had infinite redemptive value, and it was able to pay for all sins of all time. Even those sins that you have in your past, which you are so ashamed of, and you might think to yourself, how could God ever forgive me for that? Well, even those sins have been paid for, and you can know for certain because of the resurrection, he raised Jesus up because you have been justified. Even that sin is paid for in full by Christ. You have a receipt. You can go forward in confidence. Amen. And now we join Luke Italiano with a message from To Tell the Story. This one is titled, The Terror of Easter. Well, what if Jesus is alive? James paces the room, running his hand through his hair, shaking his head. The rest of the twelve are there, too, and they're contemplating the same thing. Well, not all the twelve. Judas isn't there, of course. Of course. And Thomas is gone at the moment, but the rest of the twelve are all there, and they're all thinking the same thing. What if Jesus is alive? And they're terrified. The women came in that morning. He's alive! We've seen him! And of course they didn't believe him. Peter and John ran out to the tomb and found it empty, but it couldn't be. Could it? No. No way. And then Mary comes back. I've seen him alive! No. No way. Can't. Be. True. And then John came in. Jesus appeared to him. John is overjoyed, but his joy hasn't leaked to the other disciples. And now these two disciples from Emmaus are coming in and telling them that Jesus is alive. Nathaniel shakes his head. I don't know. I don't know. And James looks at him. You know what he's going to say if he's alive. Why'd you abandon me? Why'd you leave me behind? We're all cowards. We ran away. We ran away when he needed us. We're not even brave enough. We're such cowards we couldn't even stand with him when he died. At that, John looks up. He's about to say something, but James turns away, pacing. He can't stand still. How can anyone stand still when this is going on? What if Jesus is alive? What would he say to his students? What would he say to his chosen band of brothers? What would he say? James could imagine Jesus' disappointed voice, like when they woke him in the middle of the storm. It seemed like forever ago. But he'd have that sad tone. Or maybe it would have that edge of anger, like when he cleared out the temple. How dare you? I chose you to be my witnesses, and what did you do? You left me to die! 
James keeps pacing the room. He checks the door. Still locked. Good. The last thing we need is the Jews coming in here and crucifying us, too. And then he was there. Jesus stood in their midst. The disciples recoiled. James braced himself for those words of judgment sure to come from Jesus' mouth. This was his ghost. And he was back just to condemn them. Peace be with you, Jesus said. Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It's I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And he showed them the scars. The scars he received on the cross. The holes in his hands, his feet, and his side. The wounds he took for them. James shook his head. He couldn't believe it. It was too amazing. No. Jesus couldn't be alive. And if he was alive, he couldn't be here to give them peace? Do you have anything here to eat? Jesus asks. Well, here, Jesus. Have a piece of broiled fish. And Jesus eats it, smiling all the time. It's really him. And he's not angry with them. He's bringing them peace. James shakes his head again and resumes his pacing. How can this be? They don't deserve this. They don't deserve love like this. He doesn't deserve love like this. Jesus looks up from his meal. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And like that, Jesus opens James's mind, and all the other disciples too. James remembers everything he heard in synagogue school. But he understands it now. How it's all about Jesus. All about their sin, and the fact that God sent someone to suffer for them in their place. That God didn't make use of his right to demand payment, not from them, but from his son. Jesus says, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. James rejoiced. Jesus is alive, and he comes not to bring condemnation, but peace. Now, brothers and sisters, 
we are no better than those disciples. We have abandoned Jesus as well. But he died for your sins. And he still lives to bring you peace with God. And the story is true. We end our time together this week with a song by Tracy Fedke. This is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to have been listening to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode 146. This podcast was first shared in July of 2019. Beard133.com 
is a blog written by Pastor Tom Barthel and includes audio segments as well. To listen to past episodes or find out more, visit beard133.com. We would like to thank the Branches Band and Tracy Veitke for allowing us to share their music with you this week. You can find links to both these bands at canaanboundpodcast.com in the show notes for episode 146. Peace devotions are video devotions produced by the Evangelical Lutheran Synod and posted to Facebook and YouTube every Monday and Thursday. Find out more at peacedevotions.com. Luke Italiano can be found at breadforbaggers.com with more episodes of To Tell the Story and other blog posts. As always, you can find show notes and links to the artists featured in the show at canaanboundpodcast.com. If you don't have a church home, we encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells or ELS ministry location near you. Thank you for listening.